This is the K. Bachart of the Arts podcast on Grat Kustraba. The Phoenix Symphony will be in performance this weekend, Friday evening at Mesa Arts Center, Saturday evening and Sunday afternoon at Symphony Hall in downtown Phoenix. The program features Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 6 on the second half, The Pathétique. The first half contains two pieces given as wedding presents or birthday presents. It starts out with the Siegfried Idol by Richard Wagner, a birthday present for his wife Cosima, and David Ludwig's Violin Concerto, written as a wedding present for his wife, Bella Kristova. And I've got Bella and David on the phone. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Why don't you talk about how you two met, and then uh, we'll just kind of go from there. We really met at the Marlboro Music Festival. It's kind of an ancestral home ground for me. Uh, as my my forebears founded it, and Bella was a participant. I had been a participant there years before, and it just kind of clicked. Bella had been at Indiana University. I was in Philadelphia teaching at Curtis, and Bella was moving back to Philadelphia. So yeah, this was um, after grad school. I graduated from Curtis. I went to Indiana, and then I was moving back to Philadelphia. And I, we were both at Marlboro that summer. So I, I made this joke because I didn't know Bella that well. And I'd say, oh, she's At moving all. back to Philadelphia so we can so we can start dating. And um, <laughs> all of our mutual friends said, you know, that's a good idea. Five years later, we were married. And now it's eight years In the same spot that, where we had our first date. In the same spot. So um, this piece came about, it was a consortium commission. So the piece was commissioned by eight orchestras across the United States the impetus for the piece that was given us was to do something about our marriage, which was upcoming at the time we were engaged. And I thought that was a little narcissistic. So I decided to write a piece just about marriage in general, about empathy and communion, partnership, community, all things we could certainly use more and more of. And so that's how the piece came about. And now this is maybe the 14th or 15th orchestra to play it. And the, um, it's been a, a wonderful opportunity for us because we don't get to travel together too often. So this is a really special, special thing. And uh, of course, we love Tito and uh, have a number of friends in the symphony as well. Was it a surprise present? Was there collaboration going into the piece, like violinistic ideas that Bella gave to you as you were writing it? How did, how did that the whole process happened. As David said, it was a commission, so obviously I knew it was coming, though um, I didn't want to be involved in the beginning part of David's process because I wanted him to write the piece he wanted to write um, and not have influence, outside influence uh, from, from me or from anybody. And at the time we were living in Philadelphia, there was more separation in our um, living and workspaces, so I was able to mainly stay out of the way as he was composing it. And then as we got near at the end of that process, we did go over the violin part. And I said, you know, maybe I, I had a few suggestions of how things might lie better or, or differently on the instrument. But I'll let David tell you what the surprise is, because he tells that story oh. so much better than I do. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. But, but there was a surprise in the piece. Bella's father was a pretty well-known Soviet-era composer, but she never got to meet him because he he passed away when Bella was very, very young. We had heard that he had a violin concerto. I wasn't sure if that was apocryphal or not, but I actually did a big library search because I was at Curtis at the time. 
And we found one copy of her father's violin concerto at the Beanin School at Northwestern in their music library. So I had that sent to Curtis, and then I took 13 measures from that piece verbatim, every single marking, every single element from the slow movement made its way into my slow movement as a way of having almost like a parental witness. Uh, the slow movement of the piece is called Ceremony, and it's about an actual wedding. It's like a long kind of wedding march that un unravels. Bella didn't know this, that I had taken that snippet. And then for Valentine's Day, I gave her the, the very traditional gift of a thumb drive. And uh, <laughs> she, she put it in the computer and saw uh, the PDF that I had scanned. And she said, wait, that, that's my father's violin concerto. And I said, look at the second movement. And she realized this music she had been practicing already for a month was her father's music uh, just in, in that part. And I'll never top that as a Valentine's Day gift, but uh, it, it was it was a great opportunity to take. Yeah, I hope her yeah, dad. Yeah, that little moment. I mean, be. David weaves it so seamlessly in and out of his own music. It's I I had asked about it well before he had told me what it was. I had said, "Oh, this bit sort of sounds like a, a folk melody or a, a Russian folk song." He said, "Oh, uh, does it?" <laughs> and so then later I found out what it was. It's a wonderful story, and that's not the only kind of uh, Eastern European folk influence in the piece, right? That's yeah, right. that that's absolutely right. Um, you know, my my heritage is Eastern European uh, Jewish. Bella, of course, is was born and and spent the first few years of her life in Bulgaria, and I've actually incorporated a lot of Bulgarian dance into the piece, Eastern European dance, all kinds of influences from that part of the world, some some Yiddish klezmer elements. The last movement is called Festival. And that's very directly based on a Bulgarian dance called a crooked dance or krivo horo. How do you say it? Horo, krivo horo. That's much better. That, see, that's, that's <laughs> much better than I. But so it's a crooked dance because that's how you walk. You know, when you're coming back from a great party, you walk crooked. <laughs> so um, the piece is a kind of irregular meter. It's that, that movement is very upbeat. It's fast. And it's a lot of fun to listen to. I don't know if it's a lot of fun it's to a play. Race to the end, but yeah. oh, it really? is. <laughs> and and then the first movement, you've also got some dances as well. In fact, you call that first movement dances. The first movement is about the preparation for the ceremony, the dances people might do. The piece actually begins in a rather dissonant note, a kind of explosion or a kind of big bang or something where two souls that are separated and they come together. Over the course of the first movement, through a series of four different dances, there's a kind of waltz-like dance. There's a Bulgarian dance called a Rashanitsa. And the um, different scenes before a wedding, essentially. Right. It's, but again, right. they go seamlessly into one another. It's like somebody gets to be a, a fly on the wall. And then that second movement is the kind of actual wedding ceremony, and it has a real sense of ritual and lyricism. And then the third movement Festival is, a, is about a community coming together around two people who have committed their lives to each other and to each other's well-being. Are there specific parts in the concerto where an audience is going to be able to tell maybe where Bella's father's music comes in or an exchange of musical rings I see in the program notes? Is that is that going to be obvious to anybody or 
is your conception just for people to think of these movements in kind of the broad ways that you've just been discussing them? More broadly, I mean, one my first real composition teacher would say, you know, that this part is between you and God, which I always liked. In other words, composers are often putting in what, what we might call Easter eggs. The end of each movement ends with the French horn because it has a bell. And I think of Bella. Or um, the end of the second movement has this rising and falling between the solo violin and instruments, solo instruments in the orchestra to create a kind of musical rings. The end of the second movement actually has our initials as well. So Bella right. is, is B and H, which in German is B flat and B, like in the Bach motif. And mine is D and La, D and A. So that last chord has our initials together. They're subtle, but the narrative of it's, itself of before, during, and after a wedding ceremony, I think that is going to be easy to follow. Bella, how does this compare to other violin concertos you've played in terms of virtuosity, in terms of lyricism? And obviously, David, you're here on the phone, so <laughs> so be it. Be I, as... I can step away so so she can be honest with you. Yeah, I, I'm not listening. I'm I'm petting the cat now. That's what I'm doing. Well, you know, it's a it's a standard length. It's about 24, 25 minutes. I feel like it fits my playing very well because, well, it was written for me. <laughs> but there are still difficult parts in it that, to this day, I, I I really have to practice in order to do a good job of the performance. I think that's normal with any concerto. You don't want it to be too easy. You want to feel like there's something to work towards. And what I've loved about taking it to so many different places is that we've had that many different performances. And by that, I mean interpretations. Even with the same group, the same ensemble, there are three different performances and they're slightly different, but bring the personalities of the communities and the musicians and conductors of each orchestra that we've been to has been really interesting to see. Now, in the practice process, I did not want to practice this piece when I was first learning it in front of David when he was in the house, because, well, often when I practice, if something doesn't go right, there'll be a bad word said. <laughs> and so I practiced it privately at first. So I suppose in that way, it was different than other pieces I might learn. But I I think it's a, it's a terrific contemporary concerto, and it, it has a life of its own now. It has not been played by anyone, by anyone else, though I, I would love it if it was played by someone else. And just to Bella's point about different interpretations, you know, we know Maestro Munoz, we know Tito very, you know, well at this point. And so we're really, it'll be interesting to see what, what his interpretation of the piece is. And that's part of the, the wonderful thing about writing music and playing music is that, as Bella just said, every time it's live different, music. it's part of yeah. what's exciting. Live music is part of what's exciting about this concert music. I totally agree. So this is the first time that uh, Tito's actually conducted this? Yes. Yes. And has he talked to you at all about what he might be doing with it, or you're just going to kind of find out at the first rehearsal? He and I will meet before the first rehearsal. I can answer many of the questions for David, though I'm sure some of them I'll just have to say you have to ask David when he arrives. <laughs> this is my second performance with the orchestra, actually, who played my Hanukkah cantata a few years ago. But I, I wasn't there for that. So we're we're really excited um, just to, to see what's going on and and see some old friends and make some new ones. We're so excited to come to Phoenix and work with Tito and with the symphony and, and to, to play for the community, for the two communities in, in Mesa and in, and in Phoenix. 
just really looking forward to it. It's a great way to start the new year. Violinist Bella Kristova and her husband, composer David Ludwig. David wrote a violin concerto as a wedding present for Bella. She'll be performing it this weekend with Tito Munoz in the Phoenix Symphony. Friday evening at 7.30 at Mesa Arts Center and two performances at Symphony Hall in downtown Phoenix. Saturday evening at 7.30 and Sunday afternoon at 2. For KBOX Heart of the Arts podcast, I'm Greg Kustrava.